Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Another Grand Prix, another race win to Max Verstappen who basically dominated the the last third of the Canadian Grand Prix and held off a late resurgence of Carlos Sainz to take out the Canadian Grand Prix. Welcome to the EFTMF1 podcast powered by KO Sports. Connor McNally and Harry Harry Tucker with you. No Trevor Long because he is on a plane to Los Angeles as we speak. So Harry, uh, the last time we hosted a podcast together, we were a bit loose, (laughs) but uh, I'm sure we'll be just as loose. We'll keep it in. Yeah, it's a bit like dad's not here. Yes, so exactly. It's sort of, yeah, it's like you've got the substitute teacher in <laughs> at school and you sort of muck up a little bit. <laughs> no. Um, we, but yeah, last time we were in we we're in the studio there. I think it was in the – it's uh, at your old my SBS old, or something, my, yeah, yeah, my old uh, Speedweek Studios. Yeah, uh, this that time – uh, That would have been – was that season one? Season one of the podcast. So Jeez, uh, what a – we've come a long way. We have come a hell of a long way. And, of course, and, we – yeah, go on. Well, we're just going to, I already know that we're going to be in trouble from Trev because we're a minute and a half into this already and we haven't said if we want to watch out if it's a mini <laughs> or a full race. Well, I was going to. We've already s- gone off structure. We have gone off structure, but we'll get back on structure <laughs> because we do it all thanks to KO where you can watch every race of the 2022 Formula One World Championship practice, qualifying, pre race, pros race, and the race itself. And of course, there's so many other sports other than Formula One, NRL, AFL, Super Netball, Supercars, MotoGP, even darts. We won the World Cup of darts overnight. Can you believe that? That's incredible. Incredible. And, and that's all on KO Sports, $25 a month. What more could you ask for? Harry, KO Mini, Mini. or the full rate? Yeah, I'm in a great... Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even wait for you to finish. It was just... Uh, yeah, Mini. Yeah, Mini. yeah I, have to, I have to agree as well. In fact, Trevor actually t- met, uh, texted us on uh, on his way to the airport, actually just before we boarded the plane, and said KO Mini as well. So... Yeah, in agreement with everyone here, it was an interesting race in terms of strategy, Harry, but yeah. really you've got to go back as far as qualifying because we've had a mixture of you know different kinds of weather in the last few days and qualifying really threw up a cat amongst the pigeons in terms of the way we saw the grid line up. Uh, Fernando, Alonso, oh, Fernando Alonso, front row, first time in ages he's been on the front row. Haas on the third row. Haas. Locked it out. I know. Incredible. Magnussen and uh, Schumacher, fifth and sixth. And then, of course, you've got Lando Norris had a terrible session. Didn't even complete a lap. Checo was 15th. And and Leclerc, he he took a uh, a 10-place grid penalty but opted to go and Mm. start from the rear of grid, which I thought was not a bad decision because, look, it's not the first time we've seen races won from the rear of grid. Uh, Sometimes you are very lucky, sometimes not so. But as... The race transpired, Harry. I'll let you take over from here. It, it was a clean start. We thought it was going to be chaotic, but it wasn't no, as yeah. it, it wasn't as it chaotic was, as we as we thought, uh, first thought. It was basically not chaotic at all. I think it's sort of Mick Schumacher was kind of the biggest biggest drop, mm. um, which I think was expected because he was the one that was was clearly out of position the most out of anyone who'd been in that chaotic session. And you're right that that session was chaotic and set up that front grid. And I remember, because I didn't watch Quali live, and I saw the results before I watched it, and I was so confused, like, looking at it, because I didn't know it had rained either. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, what is going on? Like, is what, how is Lando didn't make it through there, and, and Mick Schumacher is in the, like, in the third row and all this sort of stuff? But, yeah, that I, thought, I was hoping that that would transpire into an exciting first couple of laps, but it was just, it was just normal. Um, but I will say to make up for it in those first few laps, I did enjoy 
just sort of seeing a more us at a more traditional track again, like yes. having the greenery and it just and that the where the stands are and how they were filled and and it just it felt like F one again. I didn't realize how much this season and how much we've just been at these you know in the Middle Eastern tracks and, and in Miami and and just these street races and for the for the most of it anyway and how much that has taken away from the what makes the sport feel special um so it was just it was nice to sort of have that bit of a feeling back there to begin with as well so that for me that made up for the lack of action yeah it, um, it certainly did I, i'm glad that formula one is back in montreal it, it, it feels like it's kind of home again after all this time and look yeah. a fantastic crowd i know a few people that went to montreal for the race and they absolutely love the atmosphere which is a great sign that you know formula one is still very much alive and well in northern america and like canada's you know a big follower of Formula One. They've been following it for years. And, of course, this year marks 40 years since the, the untimely passing of Gilles Villeneuve. And I, I love on the grid the little touches that they do for Ferrari, you know, where they started on the grid, the Salut Gilles, uh, which I thought is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and they do it every year. And it's just a nice little touch. But from the start, we saw Kevin Magnussen go toe-to-toe in the opening few corners with Lewis Hamilton. And... Hamilton was very racy. He got the elbows out and Magnussen came off second best with that damaged front wing and it really cost him you know, a decent result in the end. Oh, yeah, I felt sorry for him there. Um, yeah, just because they don't, they don't, yeah, the Haas obviously don't find themselves up there that that often. Um, but they seem to have, particularly Magnussen seems to have all right race pace. So it was sort of like if he could just hang around there, he, he was going to end up with some some good points. But it's sort of, yeah, that incident wasn't to be for him and, I think he ended up being in the. I'm skipping ahead a bit, but I think he he ended up being last, didn't he? Of the ones that he did that didn't DNF. Yeah. So yeah, very disappointing for him. Um, very just disappointing for Haas in general after that quali. Yeah. Uh, and what was and then so he went from there, and that was kind of the only thing that happened at that point. Um, and then we got we got a safety car lap nine, didn't we? Yeah, we did lap nine. So. Things settled down a little bit. Science got up to second. He passed Alonso on lap two, uh, coming out of the last corner. And then a few laps later in lap nine, Checo, his car went, he just died. And it was up to heading yes. towards term eight, turn eight. And we thought initially that it was another power unit issue for the Red Bull uh, power unit, but it wasn't. It was a gearbox issue as it turned out. So this is the third time this year that Checo has had a retirement. So it equals how many retirements Verstappen has had really. And... At least this time it wasn't a power unit issue for Red Bull. It was a transmission issue. But uh, it would be con- somewhat concerning for Red Bull that uh, you know these issues are starting to sort of rear their head as we're heading towards the British Grand yeah. Prix and, and that, that, that cluster of races in July. I think as well, like do you... As that happens to Sergio, and if you're, you know, you're in the position that Max is at the front there, yeah. you, when you're Max, does that... Do you think that plays in your mind? Like you've, you know that your teammate has just retired with this, this mechanical failure that sort of didn't have any warnings until it happened. Like, I just, do you think, yeah, when you're in the front like that, do you think that plays on his mind? I think it does. Would it, it play would. on yours? Yeah, it mean, would, it we're, would. we're not the right people. <laughs> no, we're not. We're, we're not the right people we're at human. all. We're not, we're, we're not like them. No, we're, we're not. But I think at the same time, you're, you've got two parts of your mind thinking, okay, my main rival in the championship is out. I can now gain some more points and gain that gap. But at the same time, when it's your teammate and he has had this mechanical issue yeah. that is not power unit related, it would play on your mind a little bit because 
We should also add that Gasly was told to back off by his own team doing it due to a technical issue. In fact, he pitted early during the early stages of the race, but there was some issues with the Alpha Tower as well. So the Red Bulls at the moment, they've been suffering quite a few concerns. And we saw what happened last weekend in, in Baku with Sonoda and the DRS. So I think maybe there's a little bit of complacency coming into the Red Bull way of thinking, but they can't get too complacent at the moment because, as I said, we're heading towards the European yeah. stage in July. Now... Leclerc started off the rear of grid. By lap 9 and 10, he was um, up to 13th. And when Perez retired, he moved up to spot to 12. And that's when the virtual safety car came out. And this was a masterstroke, I think, for a Red Bull. They called for Stappen in early and put him onto hard straight away. They didn't keep him on the mediums. And that probably paid off in the end because as the race progressed and we had a few more incidents happen, uh, it just seemed like the safety car calls proved Mm. to be... Very, very strong, and in Red Bull's favour. Although, was that the one, I can't remember if this was this pit stop or it was another one, where mm. did Verstappen, or was it Hamilton got, no, Verstappen got caught behind Hamilton he when did. he came out. Yes. Yes, which held him up a little bit to try and, and to get to Carlos. Um, and then, yeah. Then that, Lewis that, that would have, that would have been the second, the second one, the second one, I think, so. Yeah, okay. So yeah, they were they were they, that was interesting around that point of the race was that it was the battles with the Alpines. Yeah, right? it was like both of them as well. It wasn't just Alonso; like Ocon was in there in P five as well. I think like just causing trouble. He was actually both of them. Look, Alonso did fall back in the end, and we know that in, they've got the raw speed, but they just don't have the consistent pace like the Red Bulls and the Ferraris at the moment. But that raw pace at the moment is is really um, it's starting to irk a few drivers because the Alpines. They have this tendency now that they like to block other cars, and they, and they do it quite. Yeah. They do it quite convincingly too. It, it's uh, it seems like they're the team that like to upset the rest of the field. And Ocon and, and Alonso were definitely playing that role very very well. But I've got to say, Hamilton was very much. He was actually in good form uh, this morning. He did very very well, and he made two attempts to pass Ocon on the outside, and he eventually did that on lap yep. twelve, and, and that obviously helped with DRS. Some were hey, saying, yeah, and some were saying, yeah, not only fresh tires, but some were saying that the DRS zones on the back as you're heading towards the final corner and on the pit straight are just too long. They're just like mm. they just need to be shortened up a little bit. What's your thoughts? Um. I, I feel like I'm the wrong person to ask because <laughs> I, I'm just, or in the sense of I'm not, I'm just not a fan of DRS in general. Um, I I would much prefer the system to be more like the old, or now the now the the indie push to pass or what do we used to call it? It was um, before we got rid of it. We as in I'm F1. Oh. But what did F1 call it? Um, it was the other system. Oh, but anyway, I, I, I know the I've one you're talking fan, about. Yeah, but I've always been a fan of that, like the idea of the non designated overtaking spots like that so if you've got a car that potentially um is stronger coming out of a corner or something and and you can you know bang on your little push to pass thing pulling out there because you, you know you get more grip from your setup than that car but they might be faster on the straight and it just it plays in the strategy more um so in the sense of that that bit i think this two attack track drs should be shorter um but in general i'm you I'm know, anti-DRS. Yeah. It, it, He's not any Trev. He, he keeps me from going off track. I know. It's going to be a long episode. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I think <laughs> we'll try to keep it as, as, as short and succinct as we can. But things start to settle down a little bit after that first virtual safety car. Um, but then around lap 20, Mick Schumacher Mick. has another failure. And this time it was a power unit issue. He was battling with, uh, I think it was Sonoda. And as at the same corner that Perez went off, 
he also went off. He actually got very wide and we thought, oh, he must have made a mistake and went off and has to come back onto the track. But it was more than that. He had a power unit failure. Oh. And if you saw the, the replay, the screen on his wheel just was – it was dead. So that's another power unit issue for Ferrari that's... that would be quite concerning for Maranello. At this point – I, I think that Gunter's just like going into Ferrari garage there, like saying, "Why are you making us look like a bunch of fucking wankers?" Like, <laughs> but it's it's but it's just insane. Like the 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 ground that Haas has made and the sacrifices they made last year yeah. to put into this year, and they've done an incredible job, and they just keep getting screwed over by this incredibly unreliable Ferrari power unit. And mm. I just imagine for them it would just be so demoralizing because you know that, that like this work that you've done and you're doing so well and you're just getting let down by something that's essentially out of your control yeah absolutely um, but yeah it, yeah and for, <laughs> for mick as well i i don't think for him in particular i don't think he was going to stay in the top 10 so i don't think they've missed out on points but yeah points still stands well, well we'll talk more about the teams very shortly as we go along but anyway that triggered another round of pit stops we saw uh, Ocon come into the pits, Russell come into the pits, and the McLarens came in as well. They actually double stacked, and of course, Dan in front of Lando mm. was going to get first preference. But that a shocking stop. Both of them did. In fact, Lando had the worst of the stops. I think he lost about a good twenty seconds or so because they were just. I, I find this utterly they bizarre. Off. They were off big time. They were this whole us- weekend. No, they were terrible. But we'll, we'll talk about them in a moment. But. What on earth were they thinking of putting on the wrong set of tyres? They were about to put on a set of mediums when they realised they made a mistake and rushed to get a... I don't think they were... They were yeah. rushing to get a set of hards for Lando and I don't think they were ready for that double stacking. It was just chaos no. for McLaren. They, yeah, they definitely seemed underprepared at that point like, and just sort of a bit shell-shocked with the double and then you know running around getting the right tyres for, for each car and they definitely got mixed up there. But it was just... Yeah, it seemed like a symptom of just what was going on with them. And it was disappointing because mm. I, I felt like despite just the generally poor performance um, that like, and I don't know if this is just looking at it from the Australian angle, but we know that Daniel is historically strong at this track and it was sort of just hoping to see that come through again. So yeah, that that when I saw that stop, the, the double stack happened there, just sort of a little bit of a heart sink, but um, yeah. I what was... was that? That was, that was lap 20. Seven or something? Yeah, about that. Uh, it was a clusterfuck, really. Let's face it. It was just yeah. um, a disaster for McLaren. And I look, I wasn't expecting a decent result for Dan in terms of like a top five finish. I was hoping for like the bottom scraps of the top ten, like nine or tenth. And he was he was on the cusp for, for quite a bit of it. And he had a great battle as the race wore on against Lance Stroll, Sonoda, uh, and also Ocon as well. So... Dan was up there, but at the moment, yeah. the McLarens just don't have the pace. That was weird. It was very weird. But, and then, yeah, basically, and then that's kind of the the end of the first part of the interesting bit. The yeah. reason why this is getting called a mini is because I, f- was, I reckon for the next 25 laps, basically nothing happened other than Charles Leclerc sort of climbing up the grid a bit from after starting 19th and then just... Nothing. Yeah, really. not, well, he did pit for a, he said he pitted for he said a hard just after half distance. He pitted on lap forty two, yeah. and it was a slightly slow stop at five point three seconds. So it did set him back a little bit. I think really when you look at Charles, it was damage control for this race. He tried to minimize the amount of damage, well, the amount of points he'd lose sure. over Verstappen, and he oh, did a very did, good he job. He did admirably for that. He did very very well. Um, he did get past 
Ricardo and Sonoda, who were in their little battle, mm-hmm. and he made it back into the top ten. But then the complexion of the race changed on lap 49. Now, as we were approaching lap 50, Sonoda was still in his battle with Ricardo, and Ricardo actually, I think he, I think Sonoda tried to go around the outside of of Ricardo, and I think he kind of shocked him a little bit because then Sonoda went into the pits to to do his second stop. He went on to another set of hards. But then he did the most rookie mistake yeah. you can possibly imagine. He did his stop, went out, went way too quick out of the pits and understeered into the wall at turn two. I mean, it was I, I bizarre. Mean, it, was, <laughs> it was just weird. <laughs> I mean, I understand that, you know, rookie drivers tend to do that. But, I mean, Sonoda's been in Formula 1 for 18 months now and you just don't <laughs> fuck up like that. It's just, But it's barely, yeah... It's not even an F1 thing. No. Like even, you know, when we, you know, when we go to a, like Wakefield here with your, with a, with my golf or something like that, like you, even I know then on road tires to go out for a few laps, just a little bit easier to get some temperature into them, let alone a Formula One car. Um, yeah. You just, it was weird. You just straightened the wall. And like it, it, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, it was, I was, it was thinking, why would you, why would you go out so quickly? You just take it easy, just ease yourself back into the track. But that basically triggered a full blown safety car. And we saw, um, well, the, but Verstappen did his second stop, but he didn't do it under the safety cars. He did it under green conditions, dropped back a little bit, but then it went the way of Carlos, or so we thought. He pitted, mm. and we thought, well, this is perfect. I thought perfect. it was his race at this point. Yeah, so did I. So did I. And he did pit. It was a quick stop, and he was in. And, but unfortunately, he actually was behind Verstappen in the end. So whilst he, he only lost one spot and lost minimal track time, that was the game changer. As soon as Carlos pitted um, and Verstappen was in front, I think that was really pretty much game over. And for the last 15 laps of the race, we saw Carlos using the DRS to try and gain some kind of advantage. Mm. But no matter what Carlos did, Verstappen was able to return the serve you know, in terms of outright speed. I mean, that, that Red Bull is just... It's just quick at the moment. It's just a, a complete package that they've got at the moment. And despite some of the issues that have befallen, like the Alpha Towers and caused uh, Perez, Verstappen is just in a class form right now. Yeah, he, it's. I I don't know why I didn't expect this. It, like I thought for some reason that um, Ferrari was just going to sort of run away with that giant lead, mm. despite the fact on this exact show. I, I was busy telling everyone that I don't think you should feel <laughs> feel uh, like Ferrari is comfortably going to take this, but that was kind of how I was feeling. But now it's just it's almost like a one horse race at this point. Like Pretty I was much, shocked yeah. to see the point difference at the end of this race, and you know we, we'll get to that in a minute. But it's much bigger than than I thought it was going to be, and you know, and for for Carlos there. And just just not being able to get past, like you were saying, like just showing there's just like this immovable gap, uh, like unbreakable gap between them that it's just really struggling. We've got the mid-season break coming up soon. Um, maybe after that, uh, with some new upgrades on, on a bunch of the cars, it, it could all shift again. But for now, they're, they're in a league of their own. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely right. And of course, in the end, it was Max Verstappen that took the victory by just under a second ahead of Carlos Sainz. 
Great result for Lewis Hamilton. Second podium of the year, and he finishes only seven seconds behind the front two. With George Russell in fourth place, another top five finish. And again, it's the consistency that counts. He is doing so, so well this year. Charles Leclerc, as I said, damage control, limited that to fifth place and getting 10 points. Esteban Ocon finishes in sixth. Now, this is interesting because... That was, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, because we saw Fernando Alonso... He finished seventh, but he has gained a five-second post-race penalty for weaving. So that means he has dropped down to ninth. So Valtteri Bottas, who finished eighth, he moves up to seventh. Guan Yu Zhou, or Zhou Guan Yu, I should say, moves up into eighth place. So it's his best place finish in Formula One in his brief career. Great result. Great race, Val. Oh, totally good race. Fernando Alonso, ninth, and Lance Stroll just finishing ahead of Daniel Ricciardo in tenth to get the only point for Aston Martin. Of course, we do this all for KO Sports. And, of course, not only can you watch... Every race of the Formula One World Championship. You can also watch supercars. Of course, we've got Townsville coming up. Big month of AFL. Big month of NRL. MotoGP as well. And, of course, a big month of Formula One coming up with the British Grand Prix, the Austrian Grand Prix, the French and Hungarian Grand Prix all through the month of July. And, of course, you can watch every practice session, every qualifying, pre-race, post-race, and the race itself, all courtesy of Sky Sports F1. It's all there on KO Sports. Now... Let's talk about the teams, Harry. Um, I'll let you actually. I'll let you pick your your uh, star teams for the weekend because uh, you, you're, we've obviously kept an eye on. You know, <laughs> I think look, Red Bull out a class of their own, but you can't ignore Mercedes. No. I mean, this has probably been I, one of their better races of the year. So I, I agree. I agree that this was def- for Mercedes. This was was one of their you know one of their most important races, and you know for Lewis getting himself back on the podium. Um, like I think that's very big for him, uh, you know, moving forward there and his confidence because I think a lot of his problems at the moment, funnily enough, for him are, are to do with his his mental state and his confidence and just just adapting mentally to to not having the same dominant car and and things like that that he's had for the last eight years. And so I think for him, coming out strong there is huge. But you know, as a whole, they they, they weren't necessarily the team that I was most impressed with or or had any comments there. Like the, the two for me, we've already discussed them a bit, um, was Alpha and Alpine. And yeah. for me, Alpine, what I am finding just really enjoyable about them is that they've worked out more than any other team, I think, what they are and what they can achieve in the sense of we're talking about this blocking stuff there. They know they've got this killer engine. Um, they know they're so fast. And they know that, you know, in the skill sets in Fernando in particular, um, that leans well into your strategy being you own everyone down the straights, so they're not going to be able to overtake you there. So mm. if you can hold that um, where, and then through the twisty bits where it's very hard to overtake in general, they're going to have a hard time there. So as long as you, you sort of manage to find yourself towards the top somewhere at the beginning of the race, you're probably going to stay there. Um, and I just really love that they've got that that direction and they sort of feel like the only team that that knows that about themselves. And so I love that. I, I have um, to agree with you. I, I, I think I don't see Alpine winning a race this year, but given that they've got a raw package that can be further yeah. refined, I think by next year, if they can get a decent car, a decent chassis, I reckon we could see them really challenging for some race wins because they I mean, definitely have got maybe. the pace. Well, and, and maybe and is that why, you know, Alonso's got seemingly no interest in, in finishing up? Um, yeah. just with that faith in, in knowing that, you know, it's not going to happen this year, but 
next year maybe I maybe th- maybe not a, a world drivers championship but maybe you know one more race win for him oh i, I tend to agree with you I, I think with you know contract negotiations up for grabs and there we're, we're hearing that there might be some announcements coming up at the british grand prix i would not be surprised and this will be slightly at the detriment of oscar piastri we'll talk about him very shortly mm. because it, you know there's a lot of things that could happen between now and the british grand prix but i really think that alonso and ocon who have both been very good this year, surprisingly enough. Yeah. Ocon's been outstanding, and he surprised me. But I think they will stay on as the Alpine drivers next year. Now, I know oh, that's going to upset... I don't think so. You don't think so? No, 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 I do think so. Oh, you do think so. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I know it's going to upset some Oscar fans, but hear us he out. Seat, doesn't... Yeah, I think he will be in a seat, but not in an Alpine next year. We'll, we'll talk more and about I, that. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. Uh, my, Go on. My, one, my one final Alpine comment... Um, which was my my sort of my criticism of them from this race is, I don't know if you remember, but towards the end of the race, I think it was maybe with uh, be less than ten laps to go, maybe six or seven laps to go. Yeah. Um, Fernando wanted to get past Ocon, yeah. and the team was like, "Nah, just just play it there." Um, and he was quite upset about that. And normally I'd be like, "Fernando, suck it up," but it ended up backfiring hugely. Um, because yeah. if he if they did let him pass Ocon and he gained some pace there, that five second penalty might not have affected their positions and the team would have got could have got more points he could have you know still ended up sixth or something like that rather than than the ninth that he ended up getting so mm. i think there's a bit of a, a short-sightedness there um that, that that that's my one one sort of fault for them this weekend but yeah who was who was your standout i have to say not just Mercedes, because it was great for Hamilton uh, to finally get another podium. It's his second one of the year, but also for George Russell. I mean, another top five finish. I mean, he's just continually is consistent, as I said before. And, of course, this time it's the first, um, Russell's behind Hamilton. So, uh, look, Hamilton will get that confidence. He'll get a, a little bit more you know, clarity in his mental state right now after what has been a pretty horrid start to the season for him. Uh, I think... They'll head to Silverstone, and I think that they'll definitely be aiming for you know continual progress. I think they will win a race this year. It just is a case of who will win a Grand Prix. Will it be Lewis or will it be George? I think it'll be George. I think he's got the car to do it. You know, it depends on which track will suit them better and how much they can get out of that car. And maybe in the second half of the year when the updates happen, I think it's when. I think we yep. will see some you know, bigger improvements of uh, of the Mercedes. I've I got to say also, Alfa Romeo, fantastic. They were yep. very much out of the spotlight, so to speak, except for Zhou Guan Yu. I mean, he made it into Q3 for the first time in his career, and it paid off handsomely because not only if Bottas finished seven, so more points for him, but Zhou got his second points finish for the year. And that's great. And that can only build his confidence. I know he has had a bit of a bad run where he's been in the wrong place at the wrong time. And some people were saying, oh, he might not be, you know, the right person to be in Formula 1. But he continues to surprise. When he's had a good weekend, he drives very, very well. So there's no doubting that he's got some good ability. But it's just, you know, the timing and just being at the right place at the right time. And definitely this weekend, he was in the right place at the right time. And the conditions played in his favour as well. Uh, disappointments, I have to say, McLaren, utterly shocking yeah. race for them. They've just gone backwards again. Um, I, I just I just can't understand what they've done with that car. It's, we know that it's the slowest car in terms of outright speed, but... They just tripped themselves up so badly with that pit stop. And we know that Lando had his issues in qualifying. We didn't even get to complete a lap. But they have a lot of soul-searching, McLaren. 
Yeah, I, it was weird. Yeah, in the sense of it just they just felt off. Like there just no one was on their game. Like it it, it wasn't even that they there was just sort of one momentary lapse of concentration in the pits that that led to those stops that we've talked about. It was just just the vibe of the team, just flat, just. Yeah, it was just it was very surprising. Just yeah. considering, especially you know, if you're looking at it from the Daniel perspective, and you know, if you you know your your driver is particularly strong in a particular track, you'd think that that you'd lean into that a bit and sort of put a bit more effort um, into doing the best you can from in the team's perspective. Um, and they just yeah, they didn't do it. It was it was just odd. That's just, that's I think that for me that just sums it up. It was just odd. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about drivers. Verstappen, like he he was obviously. Out in front, class act once again. I was happy for Carlos um, to finish on the podium once again. It would boost his confidence after what happened uh, in the last few races where he's failed to finish quite a few of them. And, of course, he just missed out on winning the Monaco Grand Prix. Sooner or later, he's got to win a Grand Prix. And there's no question he will win. It's just a matter of case of which race, not if but when. Um, He can't be the perennial bridesmaid, surely. Why not? Oh, I just he could wanna, be. Oh, you could be. Oh, you're right. You, he could be, but I just want him to win a Grand Prix so he can get that monkey off his back. I mean, remember, Jean Lacey had that perennial bridesmaid no, for so no. many years. And then, of course, funnily enough, Canada was the venue where he won his first and only Grand Prix way, way back in 1995. So I, I'm sure it'll happen. But yeah, it, I just think he just has that unenviable t- uh, tag at the moment that he's got the perennial bridesmaid at the moment, which I don't think he'd like whatsoever. You could tell that he was disappointed <laughs> afterwards. Where do you think uh, would be, if it was to happen, where do you think most likely? Ooh. Monza. Monza? Monza, Monza I uh, think, yeah. Because he's, he's done well with Monza in the past. Yeah, yeah. That well, I mean, it would be incredible if it was Monza. Like, if you had to pick one... Um, to do a story, like, you know, in terms of the narrative of it all. Yeah. That would be a great race. Absolutely. Um, again, I thought the Alpine drivers, like, Fernando was great in qualifying, not so much in the race, but Esteban, and again, outstanding in race pace. He just, he mm. continues to shine. Uh, Lance Stroll, I was very surprised with his pace uh, throughout the Grand Prix. He, obviously, he's not in the best car out there at the moment, but both Sebastian and, and Lance, they continue to, surprised quite a few people with some decent results. And, you know, for them to finish ahead of McLaren, uh, it really helps uh, boost the confidence for that car. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're significantly underperforming. Though. So for me, it feels hard to to give them credit. Mm. <laughs> um, just in the sense of, you know, you look at, even though I know we've got this budget cap and everything and it's meant to even the playing field, but, you know, if we're honest, the budget cap, even with that, there are still teams that for whatever reason can spend more money or can move money or just do things with money in ways that the smaller teams can't. And and Aston Martin is on the higher side of the financial aspect there, not not Ferrari and or uh, or Mercedes level, but they've but more than Haas, more than AlphaTauri, yeah. more than Williams, more than more they should be ahead of those guys by a long shot. So yeah, for Lance, it's a good result, but. They need way more of that. It's significantly underperforming. Uh, oh, totally. I, I have to agree. Straight after the yeah, straight after the Aston's, though, you got Alex Albon thirteen. Not bad for the Williams. I was going to disappointing. Gonna, yeah, for me, yeah, is Gasly behind him? I was just going to say, like, how would you feel right now if you're Pierre Gasly? Like, you've you've you know that Checo has decided to stay on. He signed that two year extension, and you want to 
be further up the field. Like we know that AlphaTauri have had a good car in the past, but this year it just seems like they've just they've gone yeah. backwards quite a few steps. How do you think um, he'd feel? Like, do you think he'd be looking at maybe moving elsewhere, or do you think he's kind of stuck with nowhere else to go? That, that that's that's kind of like the double-edged yeah. sword at the moment. I think in the short term, as in as in this year, next year, I think he he's definitely stuck. Um, it's just simply there's just no seat for him. But I think he's very much re- uh, resigned to the fact that he's not going to race for Red Bull. And I don't I actually don't think that he entirely wants to anyway. I think for him, the most likely path is probably pulling a Carlos Sainz and 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 getting out of there. Um, you know, it. I think as fans, the one that you want to see him go to most is, is probably Alpine. Just you know, have a bit of a French connection in mm. the team there. But I think if the seat opened up in in Aston as well, he, he'd be he'd probably be keen to to take that. But yeah, he's sort of just waiting for an Aston or an Alpine um, type of seat to open up to to move out of that because he, he's he's not getting into that Red Bull seat, and I don't think he should want to anyway. That's sort of what it did to his confidence and and how we've seen him bounce back, particularly last year mm. in the Alpha Tower. Uh, like he's yeah, I don't think he'd go back. No, I have um, to agree with there. I have to agree. Uh, but, but I was really happy for yeah. Albon though because like even obviously he's still contracted to Red Bull, but he's not doing too badly yeah, in a can. car that is probably you know doesn't have the budget or doesn't have the advancements of, say, other cars at the moment. It has had, you know, has had, well, been at the tail of the field for quite a bit. But he's been able to pull off some really good performances in a car that is, you could say, subpar. And he almost made the top 10. So he, he just missed out on Q2 in qualifying. But a decent result for Albon all the same. And I think if you had someone like Piastri, and I am going to touch on that now. Yeah. I, Get into the yes. Yeah. Good segue. It is a nice segue because... Yeah, we don't need you, Trev. No, because <laughs> how long can Latifi? I've already called it. I think he's gone. Oh, he's gone. He's, he's gone. He is fucking out of there. Like, there is no, at this point, he's just underperforming to, like, he's an F2 driver at the moment. Like, he, and it's just weird because towards the end of last year, he was coming into his own. Yeah, like, he, he was. Like, he, and he scored the best he was amount of points. Yeah. yeah, at the Hungarian Grand Prix. He finished ahead of George Russell. And then we thought, hello, this might be yeah. the change that Williams are looking for. But we know that he's brought the Safine money in for the last few years, and it's obviously helped save Williams. But I mean, they're now, they've now got the cash injection that they need. They don't need Latifi's money anymore. So why would you. I, I understand why they kept him because of the, the Canadian connection and everything else. We've had the Grand Prix. But why would you keep him now? Now. I mean, Williams have come out and said, we're not replacing anyone anytime soon. I call bullshit on that. I really do, I because well. there have been reports for ages now that Oscar's going to be replacing Latifi, be it at the British Grand Prix or next year. I'm calling it, and I could be completely wrong here, I'm calling it that I he think... will be replacing Latifi at the British Grand Prix. At, as in, like, he he will be replacing him this season? Yeah. Like, they're not going to wait? I, why would you wait? You've got nothing to lose. What? You may as well go. Well, and do I it. guess, yeah. Well, the only thing, obviously, is the the financial side. Like, you don't know what what the contract is like if it mm. gets broken early. The penalties with that Safina, in particular, for for there. But you know, maybe is it worth the? You know, I don't know what the numbers are, but for example, if it was they lost five million dollars in that deal, there is that five million dollars well spent on six months of. Oscar development to get more points next year and and you well, know, get more income by through the the FI um the Formula One payouts. Like, yeah, yeah, of course. But I think yeah. you, you've got to try something to to basically work your way up through the grid. I mean, okay, Williams are at the table. Maybe they don't have faith in the car though. Like no. if, you, if you don't think the car, regardless of driver, is going to get up there, then 
then yeah, well, well, let's have a look at the con- yeah. Well, let's have a look at the constructors' championship, and we'll, and this segues nicely, and I'll, and I'll explain why I think you need to take that risk for Oscar. The constructors' championship at the moment sees Red Bull on three hundred and four points, so they're now ahead quite substantially of Ferrari. Um, the gap was eighty points coming into it; it's now decreased slightly, so it's now two twenty eight to Ferrari. But they're forty ahead of Mercedes on one eighty eight. In fact, Ferrari actually got the most amount of points from the weekend. Uh, then it was Mercedes, and then Red Bull. Uh, so McLaren are four on 65 points, but they scored no points despite the fact they finished the race because Alpine are really charging up. They're only four points behind McLaren at the moment in that battle for four. So 61 plays 65 to McLaren. Alfa Romeo, six on 47, 20 ahead of Alfa Tauri on 27. Aston Martin on 16, Haas on 15, and Williams on three. And this is why I'm saying you need to take a risk and bring Oscar in because I think Oscar would be beneficial to maybe challenge Albon and push him harder even more because he's young, he's hungry, he hasn't had time. He's obviously had testing time in a Formula One car, but you need to give him. I still find it bizarre that Oscar's not on the grid in Formula One because let's remember. He won Formula 3, he won Formula 2, all in debut seasons, and he won Formula Renault prior to that. Uh, and he should be on the grid, but he's not. And I, I still There's just no, no seats for him. Absolutely. I just think it's just ridiculous that he's not on the grid. So It's a failure of the sport. Oh, I have no question of that. It is just something is broken. And I just think if there's any way for Oscar to get on the grid, I, you have to act now if you're Williams to borrow. You've got that opportunity to borrow an Alpine driver and... I don't know what the you know obligations are going to be in terms of the their power unit deal. I don't know how long they've got their deal with Mercedes, but if they're looking at getting another power unit in the near future, you know Alpine's not supplying any engines at the moment to anyone else. You may as well look at seeing what's out there, and if you can get an Al- a Renault engine for the future seasons ahead and try and build some credibility around that, give it a go. Give Oscar a chance to prove himself in in a, you know in a in a substandard car, I guess, and, and, and prove you out. Look what happened to George Russell. Look what happened now for, yeah. for Albon. He's proven to be doing things, you know, way beyond the capabilities of that car. So, as I said, you've got nothing to lose. So it's, yeah. The interesting thing with the engine part is that the Mercedes, I think the two, the Mercedes engine deal runs 23, 24. So mm. 2025 would be the earliest that they would have the Alpine engine. And, 23 like if we're thinking next year and the year after for oscar i don't think if he was to if he was to go to williams i don't think he would stay there longer than those two seasons um so funnily enough when he you know potentially if he if alpine brings him into the into the mothership um he would he he would have he would be leaving just before uh, williams would (laughs) would get their renault engines yeah yeah (laughs) well well who knows i mean it's a very funny sport formula one we know that Let's have a look at the driver's standings because Max Verstappen is now leading by almost 50 points. 46 ahead. That's, yeah. It is crazy. That shocked me. It's 46 now ahead of, of Checo. So that, that DNF by Checo has really hurt him badly. So 175 to 129, and Charles Leclerc has now closed in on Sergio by three points. So 126 there. It's, George, it's uh, yeah, it's... it's the f- the 49 points between... Is it 49? Is my math going? Uh, 46. Yeah, 46, so. yeah. 40, <laughs> um, between uh, Max and Charles. Like, that's like that's 40, yeah, It, is, like, it think, is 49. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. yeah, 49, something like that. But it's I, 46. I did year 10 maths. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was terrible. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's close. It's just under 50 points. But it's just... Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, Max has just, just got... Considering a, where it was. Yeah. Like, Max was... 
like 49 or so behind going into the Australian Grand Prix, and it's just now mm. a complete role reversal. And it's, yeah, Verstappen's just got this in the bag at the moment. We're not even at the halfway stage of the championship. George Russell, though, he's only 15 behind Leclerc on 111 points. He's now nine ahead of Carlos on 102 points. Lewis Hamilton moves ahead of Lando Norris now. He's in six on 77. Lando still on 50 points. Valtteri Bottas, he's only six behind Lando in eighth place on 44. Esteban Ocon in ninth on 39. And Fernando Alonso, despite that five-place grid penalty, or five-second uh, five post-race penalty, still in the top 10 on 22 points. Pierre Gasly just outside the 10 on 16. And uh, Daniel Ricciardo and Kevin Magnussen equal 12th on 15 points. One more thing before we wrap up. We had that. We had a great uh, little interview that Trevor did on Friday morning because earlier this w- last week we had the announcement that the Australian Grand Prix has been extended in Melbourne to 2035. I'll be about 55 by the time the deal runs out in Melbourne. I'll, I'll be an old man by then, but the, that's a great deal, a great extension to keep Formula 1 in Melbourne. Uh, but also we get Formula 2 and Formula 3 from next that's year. That's the best part. It, that's fantastic. And, you know, given that... Australia has done so well. Australian drivers have done so well in the last few years in those junior formulas, particularly with Oscar and now with Jack Dorn and Callan Williams. It just proves that we've got very, very good talent coming through the ranks um, and drivers that we probably wouldn't have been able to get the opportunity if they were still here in Australia. They, I mean, they've had to take that sacrifice to go to Europe or go to America and, and try their wares and they're now proving to be very, very competitive on the world stage and we now need to bring them back home to show that they are worthy of being on the Formula 1 grid. And I think the interview that Trevor did with Andrew Westercott, the CEO of the Australian Grand Prix Corporation, like there's a lot of excitement by the Grand Prix Corporation right now on this extended deal. Oh, yeah, and rightfully so. It was sort of, as well, it's probably relief too because it's it's been a couple of years now of it sort of being rumoured to potentially not come back mm. um, after the current deal ends. So it's it's good. That's good. I'm happy. Yeah, same here. Same here. Next race coming up. Where are we off to? We're off to the British Grand Prix in two weeks' time, which coincidentally falls on the... uh the third stage of the Tour de France, and of course, I now work for SBS, so uh, um, I'm, I'm going to have to do it by hook or by crook to be part of the podcast. But Trevor will be back uh, for the British Grand Prix. I'm actually looking forward to it because it is going to be sprint race. Yes, yeah, second sprint race of the year, which is going to be. Uh, I think it's. I don't know. Like it, we we saw the sprint race happen for the first time last year, and we were like, oh, this might work, this might not work. But now that we've it's kind of established, I'm looking forward to see if it might you know, change up the results a little bit like we saw in qualifying for this Grand Prix. But uh, it's a 12 o'clock start, so... um, Better than four. Better than four in the morning. I mean, (laughs) getting up for that, uh, yeah, getting up for that early start. But uh, that wasn't too bad. Actually, no, there's no sprint race. Oh, no, there is. Oh, there's not. No, there's no. Is there? I'm not sure. I could be wrong. No, let me I have a, they did it last. I just a, assumed because they did it last year. They but, did it last uh, year. Well, let me have a look at the um, – because I got, I got a little widget on my phone that says, here we go. Nah, it's no sprint race this year. Three practice yeah. sessions, qualifying the race. Qualifying's on midnight Sunday morning on the 3rd and the race is midnight on the Monday morning. So uh, nice. hopefully we'll be up and alive and we won't miss it, won't fall asleep during. <laughs> hopefully it will be a very entertaining race because we've – well, last year's race. I mean, that was just that was controversy and a half there. Yeah, and people will be talking about it going into the British Grand Prix. What happened last year between Hamilton and Verstappen? So, you know, 
I'm looking forward to the the lead up of the race, and I'm looking forward to the British Grand Prix. So uh, rest up, Harry. Let's get let's get into it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you too, mate. See you soon. (laughs) See you then. Bye.